having an API product that sells, that can be great shareholder value. Uh, it can be a great way to tell the story and, and get people on board. But I think that there's a lot more out there towards API and developer portal maturity that needs to be done to be really taking the full benefit of these technologies. This is the perfect time to regroup and to uh, to prepare for the next growth. It is kind of a war where everyone is, you know, fighting against this unseen enemy. Yeah. And I'm not talking about the virus here. I'm talking about the economy. You're listening to the API Resilience Podcast with Christopher Thomas and Mark Winberry. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? I'm good, Christoph. I'm really excited about the discussion we're going to have, and it's good to see your face with the, you know, remote work and social distancing. I really enjoy the interactions that I get with other people, and you've always got very interesting things to say, and I love to hear your thoughts. I've been really excited about this, and I've been really been looking forward to it because I, I, I'd love to have these fireside chats with you, and I think this is this is what that's going to be. I think we're, we're going to be able to learn a lot from each other and from our, our future guests. Uh, very much looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Some of the things that we've been talking about that we've been seeing in the business and some of the materials that we've both been reading are uh, really interesting. And certainly the economic situation that's been produced by the coronavirus and the fallout from that is has a lot of people really concerned. And that's really one of the things you and I talked about and, and that we wanted to put this podcast together for is to kind of help people weave their way through it. I mean, there are so many people who are talking about it on so many different levels, but we're really looking at what businesses can do to digitally transform and to make their API programs a, a driver of success in their business. And that this is actually a really good time for them to be investing in this area and preparing for it. Yeah, and I think it's like, well, I was, I was thinking a lot about this, like when, when the lockdown started and when I, I started realizing that this, this was going to be a big one and that this was probably going to become the biggest financial disruption of the market that I have seen in my career. Like there was a couple of things we did. We we moved, we switched our our conferences, API to Docs to a virtual format. And we started thinking about like, how can we help our customers and people in our community? How can we help them so that they get saved from this hardship? Also, how can we help the businesses that, that are in our, that are part of our ecosystem that are looking at APIs and developer experience? And how can we give them the stories that they need to be able to convince their stakeholders not to freeze up. Because one of the things that, you know, just like people freeze, like, you know, the freeze fight or flight reflex, it's the same thing with businesses. And, and I've seen some businesses do that, like just go like, freeze, don't move, don't do anything, don't touch the money. <laughs> and um, and I think... In some ways, in some ways, I think you need to think about, you know, this thing being a lion that's prowling around and freezing doesn't save you from the lion prowling no, around. Right. No, exactly. Exactly. So I mean, like you've got to, you've got to prepare and, and strategize. And yeah. that's, that's definitely what we've been talking about is, you know, what kind of strategies people can do and why they shouldn't 
freeze, but rather, you know, come up with a, a fight strategy that uh, puts them in a better place. Yeah, because I think the, the way that I look at it, wintertime, that's when you create your next year's growth. That's what trees do. Um, winter is coming. <laughs> winter, winter's coming. And <laughs> this, this is the perfect time to regroup and to, uh, to prepare for the next growth the next growth season and we see some like and the interesting thing was that after a couple of weeks uh, it feels like decennia but it's only a couple of weeks going through this in earnest uh, we already started seeing some of those stories uh, some of our discussions we've had with customers people are talking about uh, the, the, i think the most like inspiring story was a hotel group that i uh, you know we we were about to start working for them and uh, so when I had to, had to call with them, we had this call scheduled and, and lockdowns just, I, I think it was like well, a couple of weeks or a couple of days after the lockdowns, we were supposed to have this call. I was like, this is not going to happen. This is, uh, you know, we, people in, in, the, in the travel industry, this, this is, you know, winter time. But then we had this call and they were like, no, no, no. Actually, yes, you know, we are very careful. Um, there's a bunch of things that we are, um, that we are like reducing our efforts and that we're, we're very careful with our cash. But this one thing, this, the, the API program, that's really important. And this is something that is going to give us our, our future growth. And we have to keep doing that. This is on our C-level, has approved this and is advocating for this. And a lot of other things are frozen, but this is still going through. And, and I thought that was that was so inspiring. So we were talking about like, okay, so how can we make this really matter for your business? How can we try to do it carefully so that you don't spend a lot of money on a bunch of assumptions that might com not come through? But how can we build something small, iterate on it, learn from it, and then help you to really realize that value in, in the coming years and decades? So we, we've seen stories like that. We've seen some other stories where organizations uh, where, you know, the more classical approach where there's like, okay, you know, we have a budget freeze, we need to wait a bit. Uh, but overall, um, throughout the different markets that we're, we're in touch with, except for travel, most of the markets we've, we are in touch with are still investing in digital and in, in uh, digital transformations and in API programs and developer experience and how to like, you know, monetize and, and do things with the APIs that they've already built and that they are building along the way. So let's go back to your season analogy. I would say that, you know, if you think about where we were, we were in the happy days of summer and figuratively speaking, I mean, it was, it was wintertime. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, business was, business was doing good. We just rolled into the new year and people had all of their plans they were going to execute, but in, in the, using the metaphor of, um, you know, the seasonality, I think right now we're probably, I would say in fall or late fall, um, whenever all the leaves are off the trees and, uh, you know, it's that great time before the snow starts. And so, you know, I think, I think there's been like a really, really deep unexpected freezing night <laughs> and uh, yeah yeah I'm, I'm, yeah I'm saying we got there it, it, it happened really fast yeah. so we went from this this really you know everything is kind of okay uh, probably everything is okay 
to everybody just kind of holding on. It's a little bit like, you know, after you've climbed up, uh, you know, the roller coaster and, and you're, you just holding your breath because it's about to, you don't know what's about to come. Yeah. But I mean, in the U S I just saw numbers that, uh, the first quarter, uh, retail sales were down something like uh, 16% and 30 something million people have been, uh, uh, laid off or lost their jobs somehow. So, I mean, those are those are really big numbers. Yeah. Uh, the, the states are really struggling with, you know, how to handle this kind of thing. And it's just got a lot of people really frightened. Yeah, it's um, it, it is scary. Like we, we've been fortunate that like we had a really full pipeline and our business is relatively unaffected so far. But we are, yeah, I've been looking at this and saying, this is another year at least until the vaccines are out and people stop being scared. We might have a second wave coming. This, this disruption is not gonna go away. And then we're still gonna have the financial impact of, of the whole thing that's coming like a big, like basically I've been telling our team, there's a tsunami coming, prepare your submarine. We're going to yeah. surf this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be a tight ride, but we're, we're in a good shape. So it's going to be an interesting ride. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this, the situation reminds me of the beginning of the book by Thomas Siebel on digital transformation, where he talked about mass extinction events and the fact that, um, you know, as we, as we think about natural selection and evolution, in our world, we imagine this long, slow process of everything you know, slowly evolving. But he points out that the science actually points to, you know, relatively sharp, dramatic events that produce big changes. And, you know, he was he went on to talk about some of the changes in the technology world, like uh, big data, cloud computing that is essentially well, not free, but uh, amazingly cheap computing resources, Internet of Things and, you know, AI, machine learning. And, you know, I think those things were already happening. And his book was really interesting from that perspective. But this in itself is a is also kind of a concurrent mass extinction yeah. event. And so businesses really do have to pay attention and and plan and work on transforming. I think society was in a super critical state. You know, like you, you can, if you're very, very careful, if you have very pure water or very pure substance and you, you keep heating it up, or like, you know, you, you've got a frozen substance, you can go beyond the boiling point or the freezing point. But then if there's a little shock, it suddenly flash freezes and, and it's, it's immediately switches into this different state. I think it's something similar that happened. I think right now what we're seeing around us is that society has been liquefied. Like the, mm. the uh, traditional bonds, the traditional relationships, the traditional ways of doing things, um, all's up in the air. And, and how it's going to settle, we don't know yet. And, and I think it's a, it's a time of massive risks, but it's also a time of massive opportunity. And I'm not talking about, you know, the, 
profiteering. Yeah, like that. not not talking about people selling mouth masks for five bucks or ten bucks or whatever. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm talking about like real, real opportunity, like looking at the world and and creating new value that was previously impossible because the world was not ready. And I think we're going to like um, there was an interesting report from BCG in which they talked about what were the companies that really won big in the last recession. And there's some companies, one one that uh, that I've been following a bit closer, uh, Timonos, uh, which is a software for banking applications. Basically, they grew a lot in the recession. And I think it's it's that if we can if we can help our community define ways to be relevant in these times of need, they're going to build a business for the next decade. And um, so that's that's um, that's the kind of stories that I want want to bring in this podcast. I, th- I think that people are familiar with the adage of uh, chaos brings opportunity, or with chaos comes opportunity. And I think part of what I think is is happening is that in this case, it requires businesses that were not innovating. And we're not thinking about these things and we're in that comfortable space. They got out of the comfortable space really quickly or they're, or they're getting out of that comfortable space and they're having to roll up their sleeves and work hard. It's in, in some ways it, it is kind of a war where everyone is, you know, fighting against this unseen enemy. And I'm not talking about the virus here. I'm talking about the, the economy because in past recessions and depressions they tended to there there was buffer because they were more geographically centered that then you know spread out but in this case there's there's very little buffer that way because we're um, wheedling it, it down it's, <laughs> it, it, it's it's happening the world has <laughs> shrunk and you know, it, it's happening everywhere. Well, basically, so, from a systems perspective, we've been taking away all the buffers, like just in time, all, all of these management innovations that we've been doing in supply chains, we're all about removing buffers, which means that we've been increasing the sensitivity of the system to to shocks. And now we've got this massive shock rolling in and, and, and everything is disrupted. Oh, that hurts my lean and agile heart. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's... I spent, but I, I, I see the point. I'm, I'm going to have to chew on that one a little bit. It's it's. Um, I, I don't know what the answer is. I think, I think that for a big part, as a society, we've been complacent, and we've just been optimizing in, inside of our local circumstances and we haven't been really looking at the systems architecture of society and we've built something that's um, very vulnerable um, that 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 there's no there's no space for shock absorption and i think that's um that's a problem and i think i think it's like at the same time it feels like it's just like biological systems before you you start differentiating a new system like when when an embryo is growing before it starts really differentiating uh, limbs and and all of that stuff it first builds up some mass and then at some point there's like oh and now we now now it switches and now everything changes Mm -hmm. Uh, and i think this is what is going on 
uh, and I think that like like APIs are the way I see APIs. There's a lot of people talking about APIs as products, and yes, you should treat an API as a product. Well, it's very very dangerous to think about APIs as like yet another commercial digital product. That's just that always has to be a digital product. Something that you know you're it's like a, something you're selling. I think that's very dangerous because I think APIs are infrastructure, and they are the basically APIs are the new nervous network that allow us to rapidly react on changes that are happening throughout our organizations and to adapt and to be uh, more adaptive uh, and better coordinated across the organization, not by making a tightly coupled system that's, that's not going to be able to adapt, you know, because it's like fine-tuned for a very small range of circumstances, but through a highly modular system where the APIs are so designed to allow for, to not, to reduce the chance of failure so that the whole system becomes more resilient. So that reminds me of a lot of what you and I have both experienced and talked about in terms of our participation in open source communities and knowledge sharing communities, how this is really important. And we're talking about taking those same concepts that build those strong communities and applying them to business to make businesses resilient in the same way that communities are. You know, I, I like to tell people about, you know, what, what happened in rural America, you know, before, you know, the, the big urbanization movement happened and how much neighbors relied on each other. But there, there, was, there was certainly a, a lot of desire for self-sufficiency, but there were just certain things. You know, if, if, if you were a farmer and you got sick or hurt at the wrong time, and, you know, the work on the farm has to happen. And you know, people in the community would come and take care of those things for you. And it was a self-organizing kind of thing. And in many ways, these this digital transformation that we're talking about is about facilitating a, a different kind of connection that's analogous to these community connections within the business world. I think it's about transcending purely transactional relationships uh, where, where, and I'm not saying that, you know, you rejecting transactional relationships, uh, money is important and the ability to do business is, you know, this is just a world that we live in. But I think that the ability to create entities that are going beyond individuals and that are creating uh, a complex adaptive system that can, that can be adaptive to its environment in a much, much wider range of, uh, of environmental parameters. Uh, like the, the, there's more shocks on the horizon. Global warming is probably going to be a really, really big hit, probably still in our lifetime. And the ability to deal with all of these changes that this will force upon us is going to become more and more and more important. And I think that this this is like the two drivers that I've that I see for digital transformation. One, uh, like the most obvious one, obviously, is the switch from physical proximity to digital proximity, where we used to think about uh, this, uh, this digital proximity is something that Matthias Beal coined. Uh, like I had a conversation with him about this, and and he's like. 
was talking about physical proximity to developer experience. It's like, you know, digital proximity is like, oh, yes, it's <laughs> just a much better way to express it. But what you see in the banking world happening is where every bank used to have an office in every single village or like every little township, that's now going away and that's now being replaced by a digital presence. And uh, this digital proximity, the ability to be part of whatever journeys customers are doing on somebody else's digital pro um, properties uh, is, is super important. So that's the most obvious one, but there's an underlying one. I think one that I think is even more important, and that is the shift from a world that is seemingly static to a world that's always changing. I think that, yeah. So I, I totally understand the the first one. It's um, my version of that, which is less eloquent, is that the internet really shrank the world, and yes. you know you, you started being able to do business with uh, people around the world. I mean, I I can buy from manufacturers, you know, fr from China or in Asia or in Europe. And not too long ago, that would have been really strange. But the the one that I think you're getting at with the second one, the static to dynamic, I want to understand that one more. I, I guess in our conversation, I've just been thinking about uh, how everyone is going to have to get very good at being flexible and be able to react to changes and to get very good at change and businesses that can't react and can't respond to change are really going to be, you know, suffering. Is, yeah. is, is that what you're saying? Yes. It's, it's what the way that uh, our friends from Apogee from Google cloud say adapt or die. Um, mm. I think that's it's this inter what you what you were hinting at the interconnection and interdependence of the whole world now, where we're so much tighter connected to each other, where we're adapting much faster to each other. This increasing clock speed that has happened. This is creating an environment where every single move you make is affecting the market, and all, all every single move your your competitors make or your suppliers or your customers changes the market. And you constantly need to be like in an almost liquid state where you're really quickly able to adapt or have other people adapting for you where you provide them with a platform so that you can, you can keep on adapting to a much broader set of changes. And I think that's, and that requires organizations that are behaving not like a strict hierarchy where all of, all of the vision and strategy is set at the top and and the bottom is just executing, but where everybody throughout the organization is constantly learning and bringing innovation into the markets and where all contact surfaces with customers is an opportunity to adapt and create new products and new business. And that, and that way you can build a living organization that is very adaptive and, and that's going to not just survive, but actually thrive in, in the coming decennia. Well, when you sit, when you talk about contact surfaces, I know that for me, I'm, I'm thinking back to engineering physics and uh, Dr. Mackey and, you know, calculating friction and, you know, the impact of that. And we talk about developer experience and good developer portals as, you know, having very low friction 
and trying to go for frictionless experiences. But I don't know if you want to comment on that, but uh, I also wanted to go back to something that you said earlier about treating your API as just another product. I know that in my career, I first put out a developer portal, gee whiz, you know, 12, 13 years ago. And it was, I think, in the strategy presentations that that I've seen you give, it was the spray and pray. We, we put it out there. We had no idea what to do, but we were definitely thinking about it as a, as a product and wanting to monetize it. And I think a lot of people jumped on the API bandwagon with the idea that they didn't really need an API program if they didn't have an API that they could monetize through, um, you know, you know, various models. But we've seen that that's often exactly the wrong way to think about it. And that that's not really where the value is. And, and the company itself needs to have a strategy that their their API program is is supporting I, I think like some sometimes you know you, you can monetize and sometimes you can make money that way with apis so there are some cases where you know there's it does work but that's that's just a single strategy and i think there's so many more other strategies like most of the portals that we've built actually don't accept credit cards most of the portals we built are for some sort of a complementary service with existing products that further cements the position of our customers in their markets. That helps them to, to provide a, a fuller experience, a more adaptive experience. Uh, we've had some, like the company that you ultimately we worked with, the people that, that you worked with before, I think they've gone through a really massive, inter very interesting transformation. And, and they're probably a success story of, of how you can do it. But yeah, not, not everybody should be trying to sell API calls. That's just the wrong way to think about it. It has to be. Yeah, like, I, I wasn't. I wasn't saying that. That's 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 not the strategy. <laughs> but I just think that there are people who have been disillusioned with their yes. uh, API programs because they thought that this was a new product and a new revenue stream. And as you pointed out, rightfully so, it's often about creating a deeper connection with your customer. It's about lowering cost of servicing your customers. And so you're delivering more value at less cost and that that's not something to be taken lightly. I think that, that there's, yeah, there, there's like a whole range of, so I think one, uh, one of the things we've been working on is a maturity model. Uh, re like recently we started working on a maturity model for dev portals. And I th currently I see two dimensions for that. One is around operational efficiency, and that's maybe for another podcast. But the other one is around business strategy uh, congruence. Like how well does your API program fit with the different parts of your business strategy? And that means that probably you'll, you should have some API platforms. You might have an API partner portal, like a self-service partner portal. You might have an ecosystem. You might have a marketplace for integrations. The level of of complex uh, of afford of these affordances that you're putting out there, meaning the APIs that you're putting out there, some of them might be highly functional, like very open affordances that you can do whatever you want with, and some of them might be very very close, where you just turn it on and it does one job. 
some of them might be low no-code affordances that enable people with no technical knowledge to do things that normally wouldn't have been possible. So it's that, that complexity of interfaces that we are growing to create a new digital surface that allows us to interact better with our different communities that we're operating in. I think that is the real value of APIs. And that's that's not just like having an API product that sells, that can be great shareholder value. Uh, it can be a great way to tell the story and, and get people on board. But I think that there's a lot more out there towards API and developer portal maturity that needs to be done to be really taking the full benefit of these technologies. I was not really aware of some of the low-code and no-code API programs that are out there. I'm not sure how many there really are yet, but the, the few cases that I've seen have been really, really interesting. What, what can you share about those? So I had this story at dinner with Ken Lane, who works at Postman. Uh, he's like one of the godfathers of the API scene, or the godfather of the API scene, <laughs> probably. And he, um, he told the story that he's seen companies at Postman that are us using Postman collections, where, uh, where, where analysts are using Postman collections to extract data from APIs to be able to build their reports. They're non-developers. They have no, you know, they can't program. And yet they are using APIs to do very interesting things. And I think this is, this is the, the future that's already here, I think, where these technological capabilities that APIs provide us, that these are going to be democratized. Uh, we've had a customer that launched, uh, that we recently launched a dev portal for, that is doing something very similar where they're providing like an affordance that they're just really mom and pop shops can use to get technical outcomes, to, to integrate their digital products into their day-to-day -day business cases. So there's, there's a lot of this happening. And it, it, it's like, and, it, and to bring it back to the whole Corona story, you could survive until very recently without an e-commerce site. You didn't need to have, a, like my sister, uh, she works, um, she's married to the cook of a, of a local restaurant here. And they had been investing in a digital technology to, to take orders and a bunch of other things. So when Corona hit, that same technology allowed them to really quickly pivot to takeaway orders and to online reservations and, and to just start selling right away. And they've been doing really well selling breakfasts, like of all things, to people. Uh, like they had a, a massive Mother's Day, like crazy Mother's Day, actually. So, and, and it's, uh, so, so I think these kind of interfaces that allow non-technical people to do technically complex things, like taking payments, taking orders, taking, uh, making insurances, organizing finances... All of these things, I think this is like the next wave. This is how we are going to help the customers of our customers to be successful no matter what. Even if this crazy thing happens where every business has to close, they survive because they've, they've prepared and they've got these uh, interfaces ready to be able to do that. I think that's a lesson that I'm learning from all of this. So if, if we go back to one of the things that we started with where we were talking about chaos bringing opportunity and the fact that we're definitely being thrown into chaos. 
I'm thinking about the kind of disruptive technologies that have have come along recently and businesses that that shrank dr- dramatically or went out of business because they couldn't you know handle the d- disruptions that were forced upon them. Do you have any thoughts about you know how a business needs to be thinking about either becoming a disruptor or avoiding disruption while doing their digital transformation? I like thinking in ecosystems. I like I like thinking in this careful balance between competition and cooperation. It's like there's there's this there's this thought out there that or this is like the dominant thinking in our eco in our in our economy that you know it's all about competition. Uh, and there's there's like the, the Darwinistic you know survival of the fittest. That is the the mantra that a lot of economists have used to like, you know, you have to compete really, really hard. The thing is that if you look at nature, it's survival of the sufficiently fit. And it's about, it's about not just trying to be well on your own, but to trying to tra- terraform the world around you into a place where there's more value for all the people that are interacting with you. If you can create that one spot in the market where everybody that's interacting with you is just baited in value, then then you can change the market. Then you can like then you can take it back from chaos into a complex world where you're dictating how the market is being architected. And we can see like some of the most successful platform businesses today are doing exactly that. They're they're terraforming the economy. They're not just surviving in it. They're not just providing services to an existing market segment. They're changing the market and they're reshaping it to be even better for them. And this is what life does. Life goes around and leaves itself all over the place, changing it and and constantly changing and transforming. Like you take a mountain of hard, hard rock and root starts growing in and you get soil, you get more plants, you get more plants, you get humus. This this is how life works. And I think this is exactly the same thing that we need to do as businesses is build that resilience into our economies and into our ecosystems that is going to make us stronger than anybody else around us so that we definitely don't go under. Yeah. And certainly part of, uh, I just want to underscore that you're really talking about the not playing alone. You're talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. definitely creating this this network, yeah. th- these relationships, these bonds, so that groups are, uh, in, instead of your company being standing alone like an island, it, it's really, you know, actually like a mangrove. Yes. You know. And it doesn't mean that you're not competing. Like those trees are still competing with each other, but they're also cooperating. And it's this interconnection network, this network of interconnection that makes us more resilient. And this is, I think, what, what we need to do. Uh, that's also why we chose this name for the podcast, uh, API Resilience, in that it's not just about resilience against Corona, it's about resilience against any kind of future shock that might happen to be able to take advantage of any kind of opportunity that uh, comes our way. Yeah, it's just also part of this, uh, you know, we're all in this together, right? Exactly, exactly. There's no human that lives alone without 
all of these other people around us, <laughs> yeah, we can't have the lives that we are having today. We're so interconnected and so dependent on each other. And I think that's, that interconnection needs to deepen even further so that we can we can be more conscious about the complexity fabric that we have around us so that it becomes more resilient and not just blindly cutting the the the, the fat uh, from society but where we create the right society that that helps us to be uh, stronger and more resilient altogether well i'm looking forward to having some of these guests on that you and i've been talking about to get into some of these topics more deeply I think that you've already alluded to to several things that I know we want to go into more depth on, but um, this is probably a, a good place for us to just wrap it up and say, you know, we're all in this together and uh, we're going to share ideas about how to get through this and help uh, companies transform and adapt. Exactly. Like we're, we're, we're going to, like, we're going to thrive together, not just survive. Yeah, this is, this is going to be a lot of fun. So thank oh, you, yeah, Christoph. Definitely. Very much looking forward to it. Thank you for listening to the API Resilience Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts for our latest episodes. You can contact us at podcast at pronovix.com. And until next time, be well.